everybody welcome to the effects loop i'm chris i'm marissa i'm diaz i'm scott and i'm albert and we're keeping you in the loop of the guitar community did someone start a lighter or something uh, no i don't know what that was oh okay. I, have a, I have i have a zippo in my hand and i thought ah. i was quiet sorry <laughs> hey i'll, I'll boost I'll... that up like right before the intro music clicks like click and then music i'll, I'll give you guys one guess what color it is <laughs> orange yeah look, look at my answer oh he's showing it <laughs> All right, this episode is brought to you by Lambertone Pickups. They've uh, been, you know, sending, they've sent us the crimas for us to demo, and we're going to get that out as soon as possible. Um, that actually leads into my what's new. I got a cable to extend my in-ear monitors because I apparently recorded the demo and it clipped. So that and I put mm. new brakes on my truck. That's what's new in my life, which if you haven't, and it's, it's funny because we were uh, actually, I was messaging in the group and I messed something up and lost my nerd card for a second. And I had to send a picture of them to them of me underneath my truck, flicking them Excuses. off. Excuses. Excuses. I, I can't count, okay? I thought we were on episode <laughs> five. We're on episode four. Depends if you're on Podbeam or not. Yeah, this is true. I need to delete that last one. Yeah. All right. And then, uh, so that's my what's new. Chris, what's new with you? Uh, since this is April, uh, Carter Stocktone ought to be starting back on demos soon. What are I've you? Got an idea for, for a new show? Uh, new stuff that I got demos for. Uh, let me look at my stack of pedals. That's been getting bigger and bigger. Uh, I have a eight bit uh, pedal that takes your guitar signal and makes it sound like, you know, 8-bit computer noises. Uh, you're in my way. I can't see. I have the TC Electronic 3rd Dimension, which I'm going to do that by itself, and then side-by-side side with the Dimension C uh, from Boss. Uh, uh, $15. No, it was like 9 bucks. It's a amp simulator. Uh, I got the 2-pilot and a Behringer uh, amp modeler hmm. in the Walrus Jupiter that I've had since last year that they sent me that I haven't gotten around to yet. <laughs> oh gosh! Yeah, like, <laughs> that's how far behind I am. They're gonna walk. You're gonna walk by the Walrus booth, and you're gonna like dodge. What? what, what Colt is that the owner? Yeah. Yeah, Colt's gonna punch you and i'm gonna sit there and i'm just gonna but, record it but then i can be like well i want two arp 87s now i haven't sold that one yet so and i want a second so there <laughs> <laughs> and then marissa what do you got going on new over there well this week i'll be starting on the straps Ooh. yeah so um can you tell us anything about the straps Let's just leave that as a surprise. Oh, man. <laughs> I just personally wanted to know. <laughs> yeah, qu quick question. <laughs> will there be any orange straps available? Oh. Yes, Albert, there will be. Okay. Oh, okay, my I'm gosh. Sold. I'm sold. I'll, I'll take three. If you, if you, <laughs> the, the Albie special. Albert's also, if they come in uh, tall people sizes, that would be wonderful. Oh. I'm not too worried about that one. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> 
for the for those who can't see us because we can't see each other either um albert is what we like to call um fun size vertically <laughs> oh my <laughs> i was gonna say i was gonna say vertically uh differentiated than than, than the, the most of us so it, it, if we can put up the pictures there's a picture of me holding albert last year at summer nam and then there's a picture of albert next to scott It'll and, be on yeah, screen there, right now. There's uh, there, there's about a whole human being difference between me and Scott, just about <laughs> in terms of height. So it's it's pretty incredible. Like uh, for any, any sports fans, if you ever saw pictures of Darren Sproles next to Jimmy Graham, it's one of those. Dude, so. you lost me. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I I, lo- I lost everybody sports. except the viewers. The viewers know exactly what I'm talking about. Look yeah, that up. They they paused the podcast to go look it up really quick. <laughs> Welcome back. No, from they Google they already they know. Are. They they don't even have to look it up. They already know exactly who I'm talking about. This, Hopefully, most this of them stop the... driving before they look this up. But <laughs> <laughs> if uh, if can we uh, do a picture this year of everyone in the house from shortest to tallest? Someone's gonna start with Albert and with. Scott. Hey, there's no guarantee that I'm the shortest. No guarantee. How? I don't know. You you met my wife. She's pretty short. I don't think. I still think she was taller than you. Yeah, I think she was. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) all right so scott what's new with you well uh we're recording this one a little bit earlier sorry to spoil that secret but uh right now i've got a couple of church things that i'm really working on pretty hard right now we've got uh, a full kind of song and dance uh good friday service that i'm drafting guitar parts for we're actually going to have two electric guitar players for the first time and I don't know, five years at our church. So it's going to be a little more complex and different there. And I got Easter and then we'll see if I'm ever invited to play guitar at church again after all this stuff. Uh, but <laughs> with that, I got my, uh, my home studio rig. I haven't, I haven't played piano in about five to six years. So I dug out my MIDI controller and have spent the whole week trying to get that thing working with the new version of Mac and all that kind of stuff. So it's been, it's been an interesting week of music for me. Nice. And Albert, what's new with you since you're going to be joining us this week? Yeah. Um, so coming up pretty soon, um, I uh, am going to be getting a big ear NYC woodcutter. And I am super pumped for that. Love that dude. Love all his pedals. Um, and I love rats. So, um, yeah, that that that'd be a good one to take out of context for later. Uh, I, I love rats. Yeah, I love rats. Uh, what can I say? He's got a new ringtone um, for Albie now. Yeah, you know it's it's. I I did grow up in Florida. There are a lot of rats there. So yeah, um, those button toads. <laughs> yeah, and like a lot of other dangerous animals. But you know, what is this a geography podcast? Um, <laughs> he did the thing. <laughs> he did the thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh. But uh. Yeah. So uh. Big ear NYC uh. Woodcutter. And then I'm also about to start saving um, to get a Rickenbacker 4003 pretty soon, since I'm a bass player mainly. So, and I'm super pumped for that. I listen to a lot of, uh, a lot of like heavy stuff, a lot of like stoner rock and metal and stuff. And those dudes are always playing Ricks. Um, a Rick or a P bass, and the P bass is my other main instrument. So, it I've w- never it'll understood be a the whole Rickenbacker and heavy metal. Like when I look at a Rickenbacker, I think of like, uh, true. Yeah, 
Yeah, but why did he use that? See, that's the whole thing. Like, when I think of Rickenbacker, <laughs> I think I just imagine, like, the Beatles and, like, all these classic yeah. rock bands, like, playing these guitar. You know, they, they look like classic rock instruments, you know? Um, like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, people like that using it. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. And then you've, like, got Doom, Stoner Metal, and they're killing it with these Rickenbackers, and I'm just like... Yeah, well, it's it's mostly on the bass side, though. Oh, yeah. You know, you yeah. don't really see those guys playing the Rick guitars. And in terms of bass, I mean, if you think about, like, probably the three most famous people that have used Ricks, um, it's definitely Lemmy, uh, heavy, heavier guy. Uh, Chris Squire, who's kind of known for having a lot of those, like, driving, uh, like, kind of, you know, li- little little aggressive bass tones. And then Getty Lee, who also has has used a lot of overdrive and, and whatnot. So, I, I you know, I, I think it makes a lot lot of sense on the bass side of things. Yeah. Now if John I start Entwistle seeing used to use one, too, didn't he, from The Who? John Entwistle? Yeah, he, he used a lot of different stuff, though. I, I just wouldn't, like, put it as, like, his characteristic bass, like you would for Lemmy. Or okay, yeah. Uh, uh, like, at Getty Lee used jazz basses, too, but the Rick was such a huge <laughs> part of his sound for so long, and Chris Squire, like, he, he was definitely a P-bass guy. So I don't know, I don't know if this is the comparison guy. you're looking to go for, but like when I think of a Rick bass, I think of Death from Above. Like that whole drummer, one bass player holding it all down. That's kind of yeah. That's the sound I always kind of think of. Yeah, I mean, I I think that makes a lot of a lot of sense. Um, just like you know, purely from from the standpoint of it's it's a great bass with a lot of top end clarity. Um, so kind of, kind of makes a lot of sense for that. Plus the Rico sound thing that lets them kind of split out and do a guitar amp and a bass amp, which I think is one of the coolest features ever. Um, even though I might buy one that doesn't have that on it. Uh, but you know, if I might, I might not, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm not really like picking one. I'm just kind of waiting for the right opportunity for one to show up for a good price more than anything. I've never followed Rickenbackers too much, but here's a question from like a really dumb person: um, <laughs> What the heck is up with the numbers? Do they what? How do they mean like four that four zero zero three? Is it like anything specific, or do you, some drunk guy just came up with a number? Uh, well, I'm pretty sure that the four stems from it being a a four string bass. Um, okay. Because there's like the four thousand one <laughs> was the original. Then I don't know why they skipped four thousand two and went straight to four thousand three. And then, like, the 4004 uh, is, like, one without a pick guard, um, but still a bass. So, so I, I think it has something to do with that. a drunk guy at Rickenbacker making stuff up, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, but it's a, <laughs> okay. f- but it's a four if it's a bass. <laughs> he's, like, he's, like, sticking to that four. Well, so if it's a six-string, does it start with a six? Uh, I don't think they've ever made a six-string bass. Well, I'm actually. talking about I, I know they made five-string. Uh, no, because I think a lot of their guitar models start with a three. Which I guess makes sense because, like, tuning keys, you know, three and three. So. I think we're reaching. I don't know. <laughs> don't de- <laughs> but, don't but defend the point them, is Albert. They, yeah. Point is, they sound cool and they look cool. And oh, they, I they like look them. amazing. Um, yeah, even if they don't let you play them at NAM, which is a little annoying. Why well, I'm going to buy used instead of new. <laughs> so, just <Oof>. j- just <laughs> saying, you know, Dang, if, if, if you. Yeah, if you want to start some beef with me, Rick, I'm here. Come come at it. Uh, but I'm still yeah. going to buy one of your bases, so I Just guess you're the... Just not giving you I, any money. Yeah so, yeah, so who's the real winner here, Rick? 
<laughs> All right. Uh, so let's move on to some gear news. We've got some new, uh, uh, some new products that were announced. Um, Dwarfcraft, Dwarfcraft announced it. Annou- wow. Dwarfcraft <laughs> announced their Ghost Facts pedal. So try to say that really fast four times. Um, Scott knows more about that than I do. So take it away, Scott. Yeah, so I, I first have to apologize. I didn't get to try one of these when they were at CME uh, for the pedal jam. But uh, this thing is pretty wild. If you want just complete chaos kind of sounds, this seems to be the device for you. Um, it can do all sorts of envelope effects. It, so I, I should I should start by saying it's mainly a phaser, but not like this is not your phase 90 kind of a phaser uh that you can it, it gets completely does the modem sound does the uh kind of just crazy computer noises okay i gotta stop who is eating a bag of chips right now <laughs> <laughs> no, not Albert. no that wasn't yeah, me you, you guys can look at me you know it's not me <laughs> yeah really i was my dog was attacking me that's probably what you heard probably all right <laughs> I'm I'm just clicking lighters in the mic. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of random noises, uh, yeah, that go check out the demo. This we found out about this from Premier Guitar. They have a featured article on it, and there's a, a fairly lengthy demo from the from P- Dwarfcraft on there where they run through secret features that are on this thing, multiple presets. So this looks like you know the full full everything on this pedal okay that looks pretty cool and then um fender announcing the california series acoustics again 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 i i've seen this type of title once every maybe five years of them trying to relaunch these guitars so that i mean those who are not looking as hell yeah, it's it's a classic look for Fender. I mean, they've done they've done acoustic guitars with sort of the the Strat headstock look and they, multiple reiterations. I think they called them Broncos at one point. It's entirely possible. Um, yeah, I remember uh, when I was like sixteen, I thought the Sonoran, um, which was like the Fender headstock like colored one at the time, I thought those were super cool. Uh, I I don't really anymore, but. I liked the look of the teleacoustics, the tele style acoustics. They looked oh, cool, yeah. sounded like butt. Yeah. See, I'm I'm a strong believer in dreadnoughts only. Uh, I don't believe in cutaways on acoustics. I was actually having a ta- uh, talk about this this morning with somebody at church. I, are, are, I, wh- I, which side are they on? So <laughs> I have a cutaway um, uh, because when I was 18 and I bought my Taylor, I thought that was – what i wanted um and then i you know I, i've come to the realization right lately that like i just don't play up there i really don't need it yeah mm-hmm. and it's it's a, you know a simple trade for a slightly fuller sounding guitar a lot of the time so well i think the problem with the fender acoustics i just think they're made poorly even the lower end lines that are full dreadnought they just sound horrible. I don't know what they're using, but they sound. They always every Fender acoustic I've ever played sounds thin. Yeah, they're super. Yeah, th- they sound thin, and they feel like 
that you have to fight to play them. So Jack White would love them. Oh. Um, well, he would have. Or he would have. Not, not anymore. Not anymore. Since, he changed, <laughs> since he changed his stance on it. But, um, yeah, like they are a tough guitar to play, and you can't get a good sound out of them, in my opinion. So, which could probably be why nobody buys them, and they try to relaunch them every few years. Yeah. You, a, you know who uh, who I think makes really good, or at least used to make really good, affordable uh, kind of lower-end acoustics? That uh, kind of a dark horse to a lot of people, but Ibanez. Oh, yeah. They're, uh, oh, yeah. They're, uh, yeah. What was Still it? The, the Artwood series, yeah. I think it was. Yep. I, I bought like a $150 acoustic when I think I was 17 out of that series. And it like it didn't have a ton of bottom end to it, but it was one of the better playing and feeling acoustics that I've that I've owned. And, you know, I've had some pretty, pretty decently high end acoustics in my day. And I, I thought that it, you know, for the amount of money that I paid for it, it held up relative. The Ibanez that I played was, I think, one of the artwood. It was like when it, it looks really nice. It has the like infinity kind of style logo at the 12th fret um i can't remember what the design is but a lot of those had a really nice full sound Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah, now they're they're really low-end ones that had the ibanez logo that kind of looked like a martin thing going on um right just right near the top just ibanez some of those were hit and miss but whenever you started getting into the three to five hundred dollar ibanez range new they actually played fairly well um i had a woman it was a friend of my wife message her and say can you ask jonathan if i should get this guitar is a fender acoustic guitar for like 200 dollars?" i sat there i just i took the phone i was like don't buy it don't think about oh buying it i was like i was like i will <laughs> get, that thing is worth five dollars like in my opinion because that's it it'll be good to hang on a wall that's it yeah so when i the, so my first acoustic was a fender Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, but it was it. But like <laughs> yeah. the story behind it was it was given to me by um, one of our youth leaders when I was like in junior high, and it was it was free, and they were just like just use it because you're learning how to play, and I was really grateful for that. Uh, I it was tough. Wow, way to, to make us feel horrible. Oh no, no. dang it! It, it was <laughs> like, wow. I, we're going on a guilt trip, guys. Yeah, it was a tough guitar to play though. Like the nut was way too high, so like fretting mm-hmm. cowboy chords like would hurt my hand. Uh, and it took a lot to get playing it. And then eventually I gave it to a buddy of mine who was picking up guitar. He, he was traditionally a drummer. And then, so we just, what's fun about that is whenever we get together, we kind of try to track down who has the guitar now because we've just, <laughs> we've given it away so many times, like in our group of friends. So it, it, it's kind of fun in that regard to just kind of see where that thing wound up, but it was not a great guitar. One of the best, one of my favorite budget guitars, acoustic, is always going to be Alvarez. Mm. Um, they were, I've got two Alvarez guitars, and they both sound amazing. Um, they play great. Uh, well, I got one from the 70s, and I absolutely love playing it. It's one of those acoustics that you can just pick up and, and mess around with, and you're not fighting with it. It's it's just a fun lay-around guitar. Um, I mean... That's like when you get into the higher end. That's like Martin and guitars. For some reason, man, yeah, Martins are hit or miss with me. I think it's the way the neck is. Mm-hmm. Um, they feel, I don't know, square is not the word I'm looking for, but they feel kind of awkward in my hands. Yeah. Uh, now, Taylor is the one that I've always gravitated towards, though. Yeah, I, I have a Taylor um, over a Martin. 
Uh, I like the neck on it more and just it's just more comfortable for me. But I still just love the way a Martin Dreadnought sounds. Like, oh, yeah. It's got that like classic, just nice, dark. Uh, Taylors are very bright. Um, yeah, yeah, the, they are. And, and, but that's usually the sound I look for in an acoustic when I play. But I think my Alvarez is kind of moved towards the Martin kind of darker sound. Um, but they they definitely have like a distinguished sound that sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm not too much of an acoustic guy in general, so you can't put fuzz on acoustic, can mm-hmm. you? I mean, I have, well, I have, and I've made it sound all right. I think. <laughs> He's, he's like, don't challenge me, sir. Yeah. I will make it happen. <laughs> I will make anything fuzzy. But, yeah, I mean, I guess just being a bass player that, like, only plays fuzzy guitar, like, it doesn't make a lot of sense for me to have a nice acoustic. I did have a pretty nice Taylor, but I, I traded it to my roommate um, for rent one month. So that was cool. For well, rent? <laughs> nice. Well, it was, it was like, I guess it was like two months because it was pretty nice. Um, hmm. Guitar and and Nebraska is super cheap to live in, uh, for for obvious reasons. Because um. <laughs> no one says, "Hey, let's go to Omaha." Hey, if there was one place they would go in Nebraska, it's here. It's, Om- it's Omaha. I actually yeah. had a friend just recently randomly go to Omaha for St. Patrick's Day. So ah, that's we, random. Well, people here like to drink, so I guess that makes sense. Because they're in Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I can't say much. I live outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. There's nothing going on out here. So we had yeah. Foo Fighters come one time. That was pretty cool. Ooh. Yeah, not all of us live in a cool place like Chicago. Yeah, well, St. Patrick's Day, I wanted to get the heck out of here. So that is I would have I would have just hidden and like bunkered down. It's such a zoo uh, here. They dye the river like puke green. It's terrible. That's that doesn't sound good for the environment. Well, that river is not the healthiest thing. <laughs> I've heard. No, I've heard. <laughs> no one goes. Isn't that the river that uh, Dave Matthews band like? Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Taylor guitars <laughs> in in, cr- in crappy situations, <laughs> yep. let's, let's bring up Dave Matthews. All right. So actually, I was I was I was making the kids listen to him on the way to church today. So I was in a weird Dave Matthews mood. So. Um, but let's move on to our topic. Uh, so Michael Pope is a guitar player for Bethel. Uh, his Instagram handle Saint Pope, and he does a lot of cool guitar stuff. Um, one of the big things that the, what brought my attention to him was Strymon, who makes the timeline Big Sky Movius, um, which is every praise and worship guitar player has one or hates them or wants to get one. That's pretty much where you stand with them uh actually sold the presets for this guy like they sold their his presets and people were kind of losing their mind people were buying them and then people were like that's the dumbest thing ever um but michael pope actually teased um uh, a helix i think it was a helix or a fractal in his story Uh, nothing's really came of it um but we're going to talk about this week uh, modeling or profilers and stuff like that and and how using them in praise and worship and and the dreaded quest for a silent stage so um i guess i'll kind of take it because out of all of us 
I think I have the most experience with it. Um, I actually own a Kemper, which now I have to take a, a drink because I said it. Eh. Do I have to take a drink if it's part of the topic? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I'm, I have um, no say in this, but... <laughs> hey, listen, you, you the stash has spoken. Yeah, I think I think I probably have a little bit of experience with modeling too. You know, it's it's kind of in my blood. Uh, my dad was a catalog model in Miami in the '70s for a little bit. So, <laughs> you know, what what did uh, who did he model for? Uh, I don't remember. It was it was a l- just a lot of like clothing stores and whatnot. Uh, he said that he eventually quit though because when they asked him to like wear his shirt all open or to take his shirt off for like beach pictures because it's Miami, made him feel uncomfortable. So. Which is funny because there's plenty of pictures of you floating around with your shirt wide open up top and looking all good. Yeah, it it, it gets I a little bit a worse when I drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to have but a real uh, good behind the scenes of Summer Nam photos. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but uh, so I, I own the, the, a Kemper, um, which has been phenomenal. Um there's a lot of people who want to say that there's issues. Uh, it doesn't feel like a tube amp and everything. And I can see where people will get that from. But my argument's always been towards this is everyone talks about, oh, well, you need the feel of a tube amp. You're running 25 pedals in front of your tube amp. And none of those pedals have tubes in them. So how is this supposed to be? You're getting your gain from three different pedals that are stacked on top of each other, and it sounds different. I... Well, I, I have pedals with tubes, so. I, I think the bigger <laughs> thing a lot of people used to have with these things is uh, old digital modelers just had no headroom to them whatsoever. And well, so, they sounded horrible, too. I mean, they really did. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I mean, you can use a pot. Did anyone watch that Andertons video like a couple months ago where they're like, oh, yeah, have, let's check out a Kemper versus a pod. And everyone was actually really surprised by like how good of an effect a pod sounds if you just go direct with it. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, think, think about Lincoln Brewster. Yeah. Good point. Well, the main thing about, uh, a lot of the modeling though, too. All right. So my first, um, my first pedal I had was a Dan Electro bacon and eggs and I had a boss DS one. And then I moved to a zoom G something. It was one that had a Van Halen patch in it. And like, that was oh, the coolest gosh. thing ever to me. Well, Hey, don't, <laughs> don't knock the Van Halen patch, but I mean, that's what I wanted to play was, you know, 80s metal stuff or classic rock now, I guess you'd call it. And it didn't, I mean, it, well, it sounded horrible. But you, you've, we've moved forward. Our, I mean, just look at computers. I mean, half of the computers that came out after some of these modelers, like the pod and stuff like that, are considered obsolete. Um, you know, we've improved a lot of our technology. And Kemper in my opinion, is a prime example. I've, I profiled an amp, and during NAM, I really want to be able to do this, and we make a video of me profiling an amp, and how close they sound is remarkable. And it has, you can feel the dynamics, you can feel, you know, one of the main things is, is a lot of the digital ones were kind of like when you use a noise gate, how if you're playing soft, you don't hear anything, you have to, you, you have to play with the same dynamics. You can't play with softer picking dynamics and hear it, but with my Kemper, that's the same thing. Um, I also played a head rush uh, at Guitar Center a few weeks ago, and now that one I definitely did hear um, a lower quality and sound. 
but mm-hmm. the the use the the guided user interface on that is phenomenal. You can actually that's just what, drag. That's what I've heard about Helix or the Head Rush is that the UI on it or user interface is fantastic. Yeah, but isn't it just um, the old uh, Avid uh, Eleven kind yeah. of algorithms now in a in a foot controller? Mainly? Yeah, for the most part. the The one thing I have to say, so the Kemper has some pretty cool built-in effects a lot of Mm -hmm. the cool thing about the camper is it has built-in presets for the effects um now the uh big complaint that you've had from a lot of camper users is um all the companies are using computer use computer interfaces like you can have a program on your computer to change things on you know your helix or to change things on your fractal stuff like that camper doesn't have that which is kind of tough but it's definitely very in depth with the way the settings you can change. And there's so many presets like um, I've gotten good. I've got a preset for EQ. That's just called cut the mix. I turn that thing on as soon as I plug it in to make sure that I have a, an EQ that's going to help me cut through and be heard without having to crank volume and be fighting with other people. I'm just going to take the spot in the EQ that needs to be filled in. Now, but the, when you use a when the Kemper, are you going direct out of it or are you going into a cab? Okay, so my Kemper setup. This is um, I'll try to do a video next week. Uh, it'll well, this is going to be coming out after Easter Sunday, but um, yeah. next week for us will be Easter Sunday. I'll do a, try to do a video and post it of my actual setup. I still run a pedal board. Um, I don't have the Kemper uh, profiler remote, which if you buy a Kemper, I always suggest buying the remote because they're hard to find separate um usually they're sold out on the website so uh i use a full pedal board um and uh, a midi controller which helps control my kemper if i choose to right now i pretty much use my kemper as a standalone amp i don't change amps through um a service just because i found quite a few profiles that work and it just depends on what i want to hear that week um, I use a Morgan AC20 profile. Um, I've got a John Mayer PRS signature amp, the JM, I think 100, is that what it is? Yep. J- I've got a JM100 uh, profile I use. I've got a Matrix Light- Matchless Lightning profile. Um, and I just kind of cycle through those depending on what I want to use and if the other guitar player is there. And I run the four cable method, but I run direct out. And that's one of the main things is I use the built-in cab simulator, uh, which is great. If I've, I've heard a lot of people argue on the Kemper um, to use a cab simulator, simulator all the time, even if you're running into a cab, which I'm not really sure about that. But I, at home, sometimes I'll plug into a cab if I want to really blast it. Um, I've got like a Bugera 2x12 that's sitting around that I plug into. And so, I mean, it really – I prefer – running direct and listening to it direct because I get a good idea of what I'm working with. Whenever I'm tweaking my pedals, I know what it's going to sound like. So, And then we got, I mean, but the uh, one thing I haven't messed with the helix. Has anyone messed with the helix here? No, no, not really. See people. I, I, want I know to. they swear by them and line six has really made a lot of progress forward. Um, in the modeling 
and just their products in general. I've got a Line 6 G70 wireless. That thing's built like a tank and sounds amazing. Um, they've always had pretty good wireless. And uh, Chris, you have a Line 6 wireless, don't you? The G10? Yeah, the G10 little bug thing. Now, does that work pretty well for you? Yeah, I just kind of hate the limitation of, like, 50 feet. I mean, because, like, there's been times that I've had to, like, mix sound as well as, like, playing. And if I ever have yeah. to, like go out to the seat steering rehearsal it's like i can only go so far before it starts hmm. like getting a noticeable lag or just cutting out how much did that how much do those run new 180 i believe somewhere in there okay so, so not it's still on the affordable all. end yeah yeah that's very affordable because my g70 was like 500 bucks and no <laughs> well but i use it i mean it's i a built lot more. a cable for 50 dollars, and it works great just throwing it out there. Yeah, but I had Albert get me a pedal or get me a cable built from Sinusoid for my wireless, and it sounds amazing. I mean, I'm using Sinusoid parts. I just I assembled it. Yeah, I use Sinusoid for everything else except for the wireless. So <laughs> I use them on some stuff. You know, depends <laughs> on the day. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> he uses it on some stuff. Uh, so. So as far as modeling go, I, we were talking about the Helix for a second there. I, I can see myself getting a Kemper before a Helix because I have a complete pedal board at this point. So I don't, I don't totally feel the need to branch out from that. I'm like really happy with where my pedal board's at to the point that I locked it and went, I'm not moving anything for a couple months. So uh, where it's like the Kemper is, you know, whatever amp you want to plug into is kind of the idea of it. So that side of it really, really attractive to me. Whereas like going to a helix, I feel like that would be the only thing I carry anymore. Yeah. Um, unless I did like the helix effects thing that they came out with, but that's not really a modeler anymore. That's just an effects, a multi-effect. Yeah. Um, and I love the idea of just carrying in a helix because I lug in a four by 10, combo every week uh and plus a, a pt pro so like my back kind of hurts if like load-in is a long day um so like that side of it really appeals to me but it's like it seems like it's an all or nothing kind of thing with the helix yeah uh pete thorne uses a helix for doing demos and he'll run you can run um pedals into i think they actually have loops so you can actually set them up like as a stomp on there and use the scribble and all that um but that kind of feels like it would be more of a pain in the butt. If I'm going to do a Helix, I'm not doing pedals too. Because yeah. like I'm I'm not building a pedal board for my Helix that kind of defeats the purpose besides eliminating the amp. And if I just want to eliminate the amp, I might as well replace it with a Kemper. That was my debate. So I when I decided to get um I decided to sell my pedal board. I had the Strymon Trinity, I had a whole bunch of stuff. I decided to sell most of my stuff. Um, and I needed to get a good amp. Well, the, uh, the Kemper was kind of the thing I decided, you know, I will, I want to be able to go to direct. I work, the church I'm in is, is in a storefront. Um, so the acoustics already, it's a smaller space. So it's already people fighting for sound. We've got our drums caged and I used to put my amp in the back closet and they still barely ran me through the system because I played a Fender Excelsior and those things, as soon as you turn them on are loud. Um, so 
that was kind of I was defeating I was killing two birds with one stone. I was getting my itch of buying a nice amp because I've never really owned a nice amp. I've owned tube amps, but all of them have been budget line, Bugera, my Fender, Excelsior, stuff like that. I've never owned a really nice amp. And then it kind of got the my excuse was, well, it's for church. They don't need a loud amp in the back, so I can run direct. And ever since then, though, they've been really happy with the fact that they don't have to mic me and it's not loud. So that's been pretty cool. So I have the blessing that one of the churches I play at has essentially a back room that we have an SGI box running out to, which allows us allows me to put the my amp in isolation. And so we, we get the silent stage effect from that. Or uh, the other church I play at is a, a traditional theater. So it has lots of drapery, has a large sta- tall stage house. So there's a lot of room for that sound to open up and doesn't really come in the house that strong. And I just put it, I put it back there facing away and we mic it up and isolate reasonable isolation and it works pretty well. And I also have an attenuator circuit in it so I can dial the, the, the output level down without really messing with my amp settings. So yeah, cr- like the silent stage thing isn't my problem right now. Um, but there is like, I'm using a 69 Fender every week and like there's a bit of concern with moving it that much and am I going to break down this kind of vintage amp yeah definitely uh chris you were how do you uh run at church you using a live amp um yeah i normally use a live amp the last couple of times i've played i've used a little hot tone uh british invasion it's like a little five watt uh d-class i think uh head so I'll either mic that through a 212 with a green back and blue, or it has a line out. I may just do that if I don't feel like dragging a cab with me, especially if I know they have in-ears. I'll just not even bother with the cab half the time. So does it have a built-in cab simulator, or is it... It's kind of a head, more of a headphone out, so... I'm assuming it may have something on it, but like the owner's manual never specified yes or no of if it had a cab sim. But the couple of times I've ran it like direct, like our sound guy hasn't complained and what I was hearing in my in-ears wasn't horrible. So, Albert, do you like running direct? Um, yeah, so uh, like I said earlier, I'm a bass player mainly. Um, and there's a pretty strong back and forth among bass players about running direct. Uh, a lot of guys feel like you really need to feel the bass. A lot of other guys are pretty comfortable with just DIs. Um, and if I'm being completely honest with you, like, sure, I, I like having a cab. But, you know, I so the head that I use, I use an Aguilar uh, Tonehammer 500. And the preamp on that was originally designed to just be a standalone, like, DI preamp. Um, and it sounds great that way, you know. Like, I, when I play at church, uh, they have a whole silent stage kind of deal. Uh, they do two Kempers and then uh, Tone Hammer DI. And, you know, I, I don't have any complaints about how that sounds. I know as long as I have a Tone Hammer DI, um, then I can, I can make sure that I sound good in just about any situation. So but how you know, do the guitar I players like the Kemper at your church? Uh, they they seem to like it pretty well. There are a couple of real snobby, like tone snobby guys there. 
And even those ones are like, well, it's like 98% the same. <laughs> so, and you know, if you, you know, if you can get those kind of people saying that, then, then that really yeah. means something, especially like they play a lot of the like really modern, like dancey kind of stuff. So it's like, you don't even really hear the guitars over all the loops and delay and whatnot anyway. So, yeah. you know, in, in the context of a church service, I think that, uh, if you take price out of the factor, you know, that that whole kind of general thing of the you know profiles and the and the effects on board and all that that kind of makes a ton of sense for the church world again taking price out of it because it's, it's way out of a lot of churches budgets <laughs> yeah I, I think the whole wear and tear aspect of it too is really attractive when you look at a camper that like if you're going to go on the road or you're going to be beating stuff up you know it, it's just less gear to have to service constantly you're not going through tubes all of that. So like nowadays, if a church is going to say, we're going to buy an amp for everything, are we going to get an AC 15? Are we going to get a Fender Deluxe? Are we going to get blah, blah, blah. I'd, I'd be hard pressed not to tell them to get a Kemper. Well, the main thing done about the it. Kemper is too, is the, the rate of fail on it isn't super high. I've only had one issue one time. Um, mm -hmm. So I did an update, and uh, I don't think I thoroughly went through. Um, I didn't go through that well, like testing it beforehand, because it was a beta update, and that's the thing too is you push these beta updates, and yeah, if you don't, those. yeah, I learned that one the hard way. But the cool thing is, is it's just like a computer. Back it up. Every time you change something, or not even every time you change something, but if you back it up here and there, you can do a factory reset, turn it on, plug in your backup, and you're, it's just it's the, exactly the way it was. So, in hmm. a lot of these, um, and the way I use the Kemper actually works out pretty well because whenever mine messed up, I could only, uh, it got stuck on one amp, and it played, and everything went through, everything was normal, Except for my screen went to a, a factory error mode, and I couldn't change anything unless I turned it off and turned it back on. So I just left it on the factory error mode and played the entire service with the amp that was it was chosen on that sounded just fine. <laughs> so I mean, it's you're always gonna have you know an issue of everything's not gonna be 100% dependable, but yep. the main thing is is that you're not having tubes where you have to try to find a guitar center at this time. To fix a Kemper, 98, well, we'll, we'll go 98 because that seems to be the number. 98% of the time, it's something that you can easily just log into your computer and do. Or you can just do it from the Kemper. Most, you can run a Kemper without ever plugging it into a computer. Yeah, I, I think I really agree with, uh, with the whole reliability point. Because uh, even though I mentioned, you know, being a bass player, I still do play guitar. But both of my amps are pretty old, uh, pretty vintage kind of stuff, like a 68 and a 74. So, I mean, you know, that kind of thing always is a is a worry to me that one of those are just going to go out on me one day. Um, and I would feel a lot more secure with a, with a Kemper for sure. All right. Well, um... Does anyone have a, anyone else have anything to add? Do you have an opinion, Marissa, on modeling? Yeah, Marissa. <laughs> Can you just get a camper? 
I mean, oh, it's whoa, whoa, whoa. Flexi, but whoa, whoa, whoa. Is Chris <laughs> going to get a Kemper? Chris, I don't Kemper. know. Is this going to be the cliffhanger we end on? Yes. Let's leave it there. I like it. All right. We'll Bye, see guys. You guys. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> uh, thank our sponsor one more time, Diaz. Uh, th- thank you, uh, Lambertone uh, Pickups, for sponsoring us and for getting us the cremas. Um, we will have that demo out uh, very soon. We keep teasing. If it's it, not out already. If it's not out, hopefully it will be. And thank you, Albert, for uh, joining us today for a couple episodes. Albert from Sinusoid and Squatch Design Co. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.